Welcome to the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast, covering agriculture and all things related in East Carroll, Madison, Tinsall, Concordia, and Catahoula Parishes. Um, welcome everyone to another episode of the Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast. Today it, we have with us uh, Dr. David Mosley, the soybean specialist from Dean Lee. We also have Dennis Burns and Mr. Arl Frazier, and of course my name is Kylie Miller. And today we're just really going to get started talking about, well, first, mainly soybeans. But the main thing we want to talk to you about, David, is planting date. Um, I'll say today is, what is today's date? The last day of March. And March, 31st. March 31st. So in Concordia Parish, we've already, you know, we've probably got several thousand acres of soybeans already planted. So what do you, what do you think about that? Well, somewhat surprised. Do you think that was planted just this last few days or before that? Yeah, this week. Okay, because I checked the progress report and it actually did not show any soybean. But yeah, this is the week right the first last few days of March and the first few days of April is when it generally will show up very low, low percent, but it'll show up most years. So it should be. You know, I, I would guess when a when a report comes out on Sunday, I would I would guess three percent planted. I think that's kind of the the average. Mm-hmm. So when do we need? When do we? Everybody I know around here, they're through. This rain pretty much finished the corn. Uh, they're ready to plant beans. Like as soon as it dries up, is do they need to? I mean, the what are LSU's official? What's the best planning day? Optimum planning day. I okay. From what I've seen, two years of planting date data, I have seen maybe this. You know, I would say April fifteen. What looks to be the best compared to the last few days of March. The the downside, the unfortunate thing is we can't have a planting date every single day. So we try to space it out, say, say mid-March, late March, mid-April. And it seems like the mid-April is the highest yielding. But there's, there's, there's likely somewhere between the 1st of April and mid-April that, that could be better. So we can't say... That April 1st is not even the best. It could be. April 1st could be the best time. The best we can say is it looks like April is the best. So you kind of have to just look at generality over the years. It looks like April is the best. But if you go to mid-March, there does seem to be a yield penalty if you get into mid-March versus April. So I... I don't look, I think you get in right about the last few days of March. If you can get in and it doesn't look like the soil temperature is going to drop below 50 degrees for the last, about a couple days after planting, I say it's your best chance to maximize your yield potential. Okay. So... So can you get into maybe go into uh, reasons why you think that, like... Like, for example, 
the the downside risk of planting in mid March. What I what I really believe is that the possibility of cold, cool or cold, wet soils. So if if you're if if the seed does, does germinate, well, first I'll say there should not be a risk of dropping below 50 degrees, like two days after planting, within two days, because the that rapid incubation stage when it first imbibes water, the first couple days. If it's too cold, it can really stunt the seed, um, if not kill it. So make sure it's going, not going to fall below 50 degrees at least. But then when it's trying to, you know, germinate and it's trying to get started, the the cold, wet soils can cause some problems. Maybe going forward, it could even cause problems with the the nitrogen fixation. So just because because of the cold wet soils or maybe because the day length hasn't quite gotten longer as the day the day length is getting longer from march all the way up to june so we still have somewhat shorter days and you have cold wet soils two possible reasons when we plant in mid march we're seeing one year i had 14% yield reduction versus april the last year I had 10% yield reduction versus April. That's planting mid-March. So for now, I do not see planting mid-March being better than April. But if you plant in April versus May, some of the benefits is you may have uh, better moisture before you get into some dry periods. You can have more vegetative growth as you know, you're you're going to your R1 stage. You can have a little bit longer vegetative growth period with the longer days. Your seed filling period can be longer if you if you plant in April versus May. And you can possibly avoid some late season stress, such as drought, high temperatures, and some late season pest if you're planting in April versus May. David. Get out. Go ahead. So, I, if what I'm taking from what you're saying is, if you can, you, by going into April, mid-April, you're moving out of that what would traditionally be cold, wet environmental conditions to get the mm -hmm. plants up and going, stress-free. But if you had this little crystal ball that you could look in. <laughs> And no, in March, <laughs> you were going to have that warm, dry environmental conditions mm -hmm. like we had about three years ago. Then you could have equal or or as good or maybe potentially better yields. And I'm and I'm going hypothetical on you now. For, well, strictly hypothetical, I actually do not think in my in my. Um, interpretation. I I do not think mid March is better, and the reason is is because the day lengths are still shorter. Soybean is controlled by day length, and we we always talk about planting early so the day lengths are longer, right? Before you get to the is it the summer solstice, right? When the days start to get shorter, mm -hmm. but the day lengths are still getting longer. 
until then. So if you're in, in mid-March, the day lengths are still shorter. So what I see is when I plant in mid-March, the plants are hitting the R1 stage, the, the flowering stage, much shorter than if I plant in mid-April. Just by remembering it can be as much as it's in mid-March, in mid-March planting, it's going R1, um, maybe six inches tall. But in mid-April, it's hitting R1 at nine or 10 inches tall. So it, it has more vegetative growth when it hits R1 when I plant in mid-April versus mid-March because of the shorter day length. Okay. And that could also be stunted vegetative growth due to the cold weather. But it's hard to separate the two because it's always colder in March and it has shorter day length. So I put them together because it's hard for me to separate the two without a growth chamber or something. Um, I'll put it this way. The one way I can put it is in 2020 for our planting day trial, which consists of 12 varieties and three plant three maturity groups. So it's it's a lot of data, all averaged together. In 2020, we had really good growing conditions for our March 30 planting date. So it's basically early April or late March. We averaged 70 bushels per acre. In last year for our March, I think it was March 31st or it was the last few days of March, we we averaged 58 bushels per acre. So in 2020, on the same planting date, 2020, we had 70 bushels. In 2021, we had 58 bushels. So this is 12 varieties. It's not just one variety, 12 varieties. So the way, the way I remember last year, when I, for the last few days of March, the first few days of April, it was cold and wet, right? It was always cold and wet. So I, I dropped 22 bushels per acre on the same planting date in cold, wet soils. So, I mean, that's a lot of evidence that says if you're going to plant in cold, wet soils, you're going to hurt. Your, your yield's going to hurt. Now, if you ask if you should plant, if the question is, should I try to plant mid-March or should I try to, you know, if I can't plant April 15th or if I can't plant April 1st or April 15th, when should I plant? Should I plant mid-March or mid-May or May or mid-May? It actually, for two years, the, the data is almost the same, mid-March in mid-May is about the same yield reduction. So you have to look at your downside risk. You know, you, it's possible your, your chance of replanting <clears throat> is less for mid-May, right? But your chance for late season insects is better for mid-March. And if you plant mid-March, you have much less chance to have to plant into June, which the yield really starts to drop. So I guess my best recommendation is to go about the last week of March and try to finish before mid-May. So that, that's the best I can recommend. Okay. Okay. We'll start, we'll start as soon as it dries up. How about that? <laughs> well, that's the, 
That's always the actual answer that I, the farmer would give me. But I mean, we try to look at what you want to do. Well, we want to hear your, you know, scientific input on that. And then we got to do what we got to do. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think the, uh, you know, Concordia is pretty well known for planting early beans. Um, but, you know, we've got several people who farm, a, you know, a lot of ground over here and, it's just management. I mean, we've got to, you got to kind of get it, you know, get it in. So, and I think you hit have, on it right there, Kylie, is management. Yeah. You got to look at the number of acres you got to plant. And yeah, you may have to plant some earlier than recommended time. And you're going to end up planting some later than recommended times, you know, it's things beyond your control. So you try to get the bulk of them in that window there. To do what you can. Go ahead, Dennis. I see yeah, you waiting. <laughs> my hand up. I'm being polite. <laughs> okay. Now my que my question is though, does row spacing does that have an influence on planting dates? No. Okay. That if you talk about row space row spacing affecting planting date, I would say no. It you want to plant ideally, you want to plant. In April, you know, April, no matter what. Now, but if you are planting late, then you would want to make more narrow row spacing. So the row spacing, I don't think, is affecting the planting date, but the planting date can affect the row spacing. You want to go more narrow if you can, if you're planting late. Now, not to say you can't go more narrow at all times. It might, you might be beneficial to go more narrow. As, at well, least of 15 inches at, at any time. Well, my question was, if, you're, if your plants are six inches tall versus nine inches tall, and you plant a narrow row and you bumped your seeding rate up a little bit, um, would that compensate? Yeah, I, I see what you mean. Yeah, if you're, if you're going early because you want to get in, get in early and get out, <clears throat> then it could be beneficial to be more narrow, Maybe slightly higher because it, it will be a little shorter from what mm -hmm. I've seen. Okay. And if you have bad germ or vigor because of the cold, wet soils, then it can help you. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was that was what I was just wondering if that was a, if if that would have an effect on. But I know. So we try to look at long-term trends, and I know, and of course, the answer is always we'll get in when we can. But it is interesting to see the long term trends because when I look at just the USDA data um, prior to 1999 Louisiana planted only 5% of the, the crop by the first week of May and they were planting maturity groups 5, 6, maybe 7s so right about the year 2000 we started planting maturity group 4s and now we average 50% or more by that first week of May. So just in 20 years, or actually it all happened within a few years around the year 2000, but then farmers started adopting that practice. Now we're up to 50% planted by the first week of May when we were only 5% planted. So it's just interesting twin trends. And the one thing I see for, you know, if we could improve, mid-May is when the yield really starts to fall 
after mid-May, and we still have, on average, tw about 20% left of the crop, the plant. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't know if that's because on a yearly basis, is it because we there's just so many acres to plant and you just can't get to it? Or is it possible, or is it too wet? Or is it possible that there's there's still some room for adoption for these earlier planting dates? So I don't know the true answer to that, but there is 20% of the crop is after that mid-May planting date. So it's just some interesting trends to look at. David, shift gears on you a little bit here. What's your prediction or what do you think soybean acreage is going to be this year in the state of Louisiana? Well, okay, the farm beer, um, what is the the farm network? Okay, I saw a report from the farm network. They were looking at a one hundred fifty, roughly one hundred fifty thousand additional acres in Louisiana. So that would put us at about one point one to one point two million. I believe the USDA report is out today. I have not seen it if it's out, but. I, I would really think it's right there at that 1.1 to 1.2 million, which would be up about 100 to 200,000 acres from last year. Okay. I, you know, it's, 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 I know it's hard to make predictions because, you know, we're going, we're going to actually probably in this parish pick up some soybean acres after the last couple of weeks versus what we had initially planned on. Uh, because we lost some corn acreage to rain. Uh, but I was just curious what you thought, you know, how much, whether it's going to be up 2%, 3%, 20%. I project it's, I definitely project it's up, and I don't think it's only because we'd be losing corn or cotton. Um, there, there's some belief that there's going to be conversions of like alfalfa and clover acres, some pasture acres. I've even fielded phone call on what inoculant we should use. And if it, if you had grown clover or alfalfa, are you still okay without inoculating? And I actually wrote a small article in the last newsletter just to, you know, just to point out that different legumes will use different inoculants. So, yeah, I, I think there could be some switch from cotton or corn because of input prices or something. But I also think it there are some people seeing those soybean prices and are kind of getting excited and might convert some pasture land to soybean. David, um, the Acres report came out uh, soybeans at 91 million, which is, they hit a new record high, I'm assuming. Yeah, I saw 89 million on that farm network, so 91. Corn is, U.S. corn, corn was at 89 and a half million, is, is 2.6 million acres lower. So, yeah, if that happens, because I, I told a funny story this early spring I was or in January I was given a presentation and I went to 
I went from soy I went from soybean at University of Arkansas in 2018 to Nebraska to do corn. And that year, soybean top corn, it was like 90 million soybean and 89 million corn. And I, I said, you know, just my luck that the year I switched the corn, soybean was on top. And then I came here to do soybean and the, the soybean market just about crashed. So I didn't know what was going on. But if <laughs> if soybean if soybean again tops corn, that's yeah, it's pretty cool for the soybean researchers, I guess. Well. Well, that's true. We grow a lot of soybeans in Concordia, so mm-hmm. yeah, everybody grows a lot of soybeans. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, um, shifting gears and uh, moving a different direction, let's talk about um, this summer. What uh, projects or studies do you have lined up this summer? Well, of course, one of the biggest things that I do that I hope is some of the biggest impact for the, the farmers is the variety trials. We, we do it a couple different ways. We do small plots on the research stations, seven different research stations. I think for, you know, to the, everyone that helps out, of course, seven stations is a lot of work. But we also do some strip trials on producers' farms. And that's working with the agents. We, we get some, some of the more popular varieties from the companies. And the agents and the producers will go out and they'll plant these on the farm. So it's, it's a really good way for us to see how these varieties are performing in an environment that's very similar to the producers. And we're also working with Kristen Watson. He's our nematologist. We're trying to do some nematode screening. So we're just looking at different ways we can we can really select these varieties that will help the farmers yield more in their environment. And besides that, we're looking at some fertilizer trials. I'll mention working with Dr. Parvez on some phosphorus and potassium trials, but the main focus is to try to re-evaluate our soil testing recommendations. We're doing some other, some nitrogen, some sulfur trials, but one of the biggest ones that I hope makes an impact quickly is to have up-to-date soil testing recommendations. Yeah, and I, I know like here we'll we'll have a variety trial and the nematode study and then Dr. working with Dr. Rizal on his stuff too and RL, I'm sure you you've got some of that going on in your up in your neck uh, of the yes. woods. Uh, uh, last year or back in January, excuse me, when I uh, we were at the Tri-State Soybean Farm, I heard uh, Dr. was it Trent Roberts? from the University of Arkansas gave a great talk on uh, uh, potash deficiency in soybeans and, and some ways to uh, recover from that and when, how late you can go out and still apply potash and make some recoveries. Then uh, I love the talk he had there. David, you was there on uh, what did they call it? The, the hidden deficiencies or something. Uh, to that effect, I can't remember the official name, but basically the soybeans were not showing any physical signs, you know, your typical 
discoloration of leaves and stuff, but yet they were losing yield and, and some stages there to do some tissue sampling to check on that. Uh, and I've got a producer or two that's had some of that, I believe, and we're going to see if we can get them to, to do some mid-season tissue samplings and see where we're at. Yeah, if I remember, I think he was calling it hidden hunger. Hidden hunger, that's it. I couldn't yeah. come up with the real name. But I would definitely, I would say for sure, if if you're in that medium soil testing range or lower, and say you're not putting a lot out because of the price, then definitely go with mid-season. At the right time, I have to go back and look, make sure yeah, I'm not saying wrong. Mid-season is a general yeah. terminology. I'd have to go back and look at what yeah. they were. Uh, I don't want to give the wrong time, but I think it's R2, but definitely got to go back and look. But if you, yes, the research is showing that if you can determine you have a deficiency by the, the, vet, the, the foliar sample there, you can correct your potassium and not lose much yield. So, yes, definitely. That's an important thing, especially this year. So can yeah. you talk to, can, because I get this question a couple times, how to properly take tissue samples from soybeans? Well, what, you're you, about, what is your recommendation? Okay, without saying it in detail, because I don't want to say it wrong, is you have to get the right trifoliate. Um, I think, uh, and uh, so what comes to mind is the third from the top or the most, the most fully developed trifoliate. And... So it's all based on the interpretation when this when the soil scientist made the interpretation, he was taking a certain trifoliate at a certain growth stage. And unless you do the exact same thing, the the nutrient the, the nutrient level you have may not correlate with the recommendation. So you would get a wrong answer. Yeah, David, I've been doing some study and reading some of his papers in the last few days, and it is the third nodule, third one down, which is the first truly fully opened trifoliant, and they were actually recommending once you pull it to truly separate the petiole from the trifoliant and only sample the trifoliant. Uh, but yeah, and R2 was kind of some notes I had of starting to look at some uh tissue sampling uh so yeah but it's it's normally considered a third node from the top which that's that fully opened trifoliant that the real trick is that's also the time that you have the most benefit by the early it's the most that's the biggest benefit you can correct the potassium right. so it's not a it can't be a slow process you get that sample you need to an answer back as quick as possible and be able to put your potassium out as quick as possible to get that full benefit david i got a question on this tissue sampling okay you're looking at, at, at do you need to back up your sampling say we need to go out at r let's say r1 r2 do i need to back up and sample like Say a week ahead of time, so I'll, because I I sample today, I send it off, they get it. I'm, you know, you're talking two or three days lag time. Do I need to back up two or three days? You know, a couple of days, a few days is okay, but you just can't go. 
even a week or so because then you won't be at that R2 stage and your 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 correlation between your test and the recommendations okay. won't correlate right. Okay. Well, that was my question. If I'm trying to hit that, you know, just to get back, I could back up a couple of days. Yeah, and I, I believe that the, the fixing the hang, hidden hunger goes past R2. Okay. So you, you have longer to fix it, but to reach the highest yield potential as possible, you want to be as quick and timely as possible. Okay. okay. All right, guys, y'all have any more questions or comments or anything else you want to talk about, David? <laughs> uh, I got that that's, stuff. Yeah, me yeah, too. That's the biggest that's highlight. The price is going to hold and what's our yield going to be? Yeah. Well, well Yield, no one can predict. Last year, okay, I'll just. That's I'll just, actually a good good direction on yields last year. Well, the, the interesting thing about yields last year is I was, I was, okay, our, our average yield is about 52 to 53 bushels per acre statewide. And in 2020, when we all thought we had a really good year, we thought we were going to almost have record yield. Well, some hurricanes and some late season storms, it got us to about 52 or 53 bushels per acre. Well, last year, when the planting season was just dragging on and we just couldn't get planted, and I looked at some previous data, some slow planting years, it looked like we were going to fall to 48 bushels per acre. That was, that was my guess, just based off of planting date, historical data, I thought we were going to fall from 52 to 48. Well, at the end of the year, it turned out we were at 52. We were, we were going to be maybe more or equal to 2020, and we ended up being one bushel lower than 2020 with that planting season. So what happened was throughout the season, the temperature stayed semi-mild. And we had timely rains through the growing season. So just look at my planting age study shows it shows it very well. In in the first of April in 2020, I had 70 bushels per acre. My mid-June planting, I had 38. So I went from 70 as my max to 38 as my low. <clears throat> But in 2021, my max was the 1st of April at 58. You know, we went from 70 to 58. But my low in mid-June was only 53. So from the 1st of April to mid-June, I only fell five bushels per acre. When in 2020, I fell 42 bushels. So that shows you how big difference a year can make, but it, and it also shows you the, the environment. If the environment is correct, if you have lower stress, you're not necessarily going to fall very much as a higher stress year. So it, it's almost impossible to predict yield. You need, you need quick planting dates, and if you get quick planting dates, you need really good environment throughout the year so hard to predict 
Well, uh, while you were talking, I pulled up my five-year averages and stuff for for us, and we were, let's see, for our soybeans last year, we were 60 bushels was our our average. I don't know about y'all over... That was for Catahoula, and I think Concordia was ended up being sixty-two. What was the year before that? There, Kylie, that was that was our the, the year average. Now our five-year average uh, for soybeans, and I've got Catahoula pulled up was fifty-six, uh, and Concordia mm-hmm. was fifty-nine. So that was a that was the five-year. So y'all were a little bit. Y'all were higher or lower last year? Um, we were higher last, uh, higher the year before in 2020 and this year, yeah. so lower for 2021. Yeah, so that's, that's what my data shows. And I, I really believe it's because that whoever got in in April got a lot of rain and some cold temperatures, unless you missed the rain in those April days, but not many people did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's a good place to close. Um, David, I, I, we really appreciate you joining us today and uh, working with us on the schedule because the listeners don't know, but we had you scheduled earlier this week and it, all three of us forgot. So <laughs> he was the only uh, one that showed up. So <laughs> well, what happened was, was we had Matt that morning too. We were going to do you, uh, Matt first, and then you next. And then when Matt canceled, I just took the whole thing off my mind for the rest of the day so yeah so thank you for showing up twice this week we really appreciate you yeah we appreciate your time and i know it's valuable so um but anyway we look forward to working with you this summer and uh we'd love to have you back on again thank you thank you thank you dave thanks all right thanks The Louisiana Delta Crop Podcast is produced by the LSU Ag Center Extension Service. For more information, visit the LSUAgCenter.com or contact your local Extension office.